Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. I have a question for you all. Um, how are your Christmas plans going? How's Christmas going? Good? Okay, good. So um, are, are your trees up? Got the trees up? Good. Um, are the lights on the house? The bushes? Okay. Have you completed your shopping for your spouse if you have one? Your kids if you have those? All that done? Your siblings? Nieces and nephews? Coworkers? Teachers? Mailmen? Starbucks barista? Not done. Okay. You better get cracking on that. Have you guys taken advantage of Black Friday and Cyber Monday? Okay, all right. Did anybody uh, brave the crowds at Walmart to get that toaster oven? No, okay, wow. All right. Do you have your menu prepared for Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, afternoon, dinner? Okay. Are the photos taken and the cards sent out? Not done. You are a sorry bunch of people, right? All right. There's a, there is a lot that goes into Christmas season, isn't there? Um, it's kind of overwhelming to me. Yeah, too much to do, right? Yeah. And so this morning, this is going to be an invitational message. This whole message is to invite you to something better. It's an invitation for all of us to step out of sort of the frenetic craziness of what I call and they call the holidays And it's an invitation for us to experience King Jesus more fully, more holy, more powerfully than than maybe we have in the last few years. Because I believe, and, and you might agree with me, that our culture has actually purposefully and sort of like incessantly tried to re educate you and I about the meaning of Christmas. And the culture has tried to change how we celebrate Christmas and the reason that we celebrate it. Does that make sense? And it's interesting to me that, that to, to be honest with you guys, at no point during the year is there more sort of rhetoric thrown at us about how we should be spending ourselves, how we should be spending our time and our energy and our focus and our money than during the holiday season. It is constant, right? And it's interesting because, um, because the Christmas season is growing. Actually, not Christmas season, but the holiday season is growing, right? It's already enveloped Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is gone. That's just dress rehearsal for Christmas dinner, right? So that, that season's gone. And I fully anticipate that in some short time, we're going to start putting up our trees the first day of school, like September 5th or whatever. Christmas tree goes up, the sales start happening, all that stuff, right? And so, uh, and so we're, we're told that Christmas is a time to spend everything that we have, our time, our energy, our money, all of that stuff, really on whatever it is that the culture is peddling, right? It's putting on us. We have to do all the stuff and get all that stuff. Um, and we're pursuing this incredibly secular notion of what it means to celebrate. And I, I just want you guys to know, though, that even though I sound really, really pessimistic for the moment, I want you to know that I love Christmas season. I love it probably more than you guys do. I love the trees and the decorations. By the way, um, do you guys love how this place looks? Isn't this beautiful? Do you know who did that? Right there, Terry. Raise your hand, Terry. All by herself. It's really cool. Yeah. 
So thank you. Um, so I don't want to be negative because I love Christmas. As a matter of fact, Molly and I have a, a literal ongoing debate that's been happening for years at our house, and it's about when to pull the Christmas tree down. Do you have like a, a strong feeling about that? Because we do. If it were up to me, if I could get away with it, the Christmas tree would come down the day before Valentine's Day. That's, what, that's how long it would stay up. If it were, if it were up to did somebody go, whoa. Uh, if it were up to Molly, she would tear it down after dinner on the 25th. I mean, that's it. <laughs> bah humbug, I say, right? Yeah. So, so we love this stuff, right? Uh, I love some Christmas season, but it grieves me. It literally grieves me because I am painfully aware, and I hope that you're aware, that we are finite, that we only have so much focus. We only have so much energy. We only have so much time and so much attention. It is limited. And because it's limited, we ought to care for that. It ought to be precious to us. And what I've discovered is that so much of those limited but precious resources are given to things that do not have anything to do with Christ. And I want to reclaim that again, because it would be nice if everything in our culture were pointing us to Christ and to the birth and the miraculous entrance of Jesus into humanity. It would be nice if the culture did that for us, but it doesn't. And what I realize is that we are going to have to carve this out for ourselves. We are going to have to carve out a space and a place to worship and to honor Christ out of the midst of this massive monument of the holiday season. Do you get that? We're going to have to do that for ourselves, right? We're going to have to find a time and a, and a place to actually RSVP. By the way, I'm borrowing from Dan Osika. He used an RSVP analogy a couple of weeks ago, and I liked it, so I'm co-opting it. But we're going to have to give an RSVP to one party or the other, right? And I'm asking us that we would send our RSVP to Jesus, to the celebration of the birth of Christ. But the problem is, is that... Um, the culture has already co-opted your yes to its own party. You guys realize that? The culture has already said yes for you, and that party has already begun. It's already begun, and we've already been wrapped up in it and involved in that party. And so I'm calling us actually to say no to some of that stuff so that we can say yes to the celebration of Jesus Christ, born into humanity. And so I hope that you'll send regrets every day to the holiday season so that you can say yes to the celebration of the birth of Christ. Um, I want to read a psalm for you that is just going to kind of pump the prime, prime the pump, whatever that is. And let's just sort of get our hearts warmed up here, okay? Psalm 95 says this, Come, this is an invitation Let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him, to King Jesus, with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him, for the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The seas belong to him, for he made it too. His hands formed the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. And Jesus is our chief shepherd. And so I'm sending out an invitation to you and I today to join the most glorious celebration of all, and it's my hope 
that you will accept it. And the invitation is this. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. And what I want to do is I want to unpack this tiny little phrase that we sing sometimes very casually, sometimes joyfully, but oftentimes casually. What I want to do is I want to um, break this down. I want to highlight every single word because it is an invitation that will draw us to the truest celebration, the most important celebration. And I believe that for any of us that will accept this invitation to come and adore him, we will encounter him in a profound way, and in a powerful way, and it will change the way that we celebrate Christmas. So let's begin. Oh, come, let us adore him. It begins with this tiny little word, and the word is what? Oh, oh, right? It begins with oh. Have you guys ever thought about that word as you've sung it, that little one-letter word, one word, what does it actually means? Like, the only time I ever hear oh in any sort of modern uh, vocabulary, it's, you know what it is, right? It's OMG. And that makes me sad. I don't like it. I don't like that at all, that we are, you know, regular, usually it's the kids, but that they're regularly saying OMG, and it's like they're calling out the name of the Lord, but they have no expectation that God is listening, that he's present, that he cares. It's so cavalier. It's so casual. And so I, I hate it. I want to reject it. But what, what does that sort of sanctified O mean, right? What does it mean when we say, oh, come, let us adore him? Well, I believe, church, that it means like, oh, man, I am overwhelmed. I am beholding Jesus. And I have this, this feeling, this visceral response in me that says, I am overwhelmed. I'm floored. I'm undone. I, 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 don't, I don't have the words to express you, God. I don't have the words to express what is welling up in my heart. And it reminds me of Isaiah chapter 6, where we see this moment where Isaiah is, is in the middle of this unbelievable vision of God filling the temple. And he is overwhelmed and he's undone. It says this in Isaiah chapter 6. Just try to immerse yourself in in what Isaiah was experiencing. He says this. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, These were like angelic creatures, seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Can you imagine? At the sound of their voices, the door thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. This is his oh. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. This is the oh that I'm talking about. It's that undone oh. And I just want to ask you guys a a personal question, each one of you. What is the state of your oh? Where has your oh gone? Do you still experience awe and wonder when you are in the presence of God? When was the last time that you felt overwhelmed by him? When was the last time that you fell on your face in in the wonder of who God is? And I just wonder, church, have we been looking too much at lesser things? 
Have we been looking at our jobs? Have we been looking at our screens, our shopping lists, our financial portfolios, our politics, our bodies? All of those things gobble up our precious time and our attention, but all they do is they distract us from deeply experiencing Jesus who came from heaven, was born into mankind. All they do is they end up distracting us. And, and to be honest with you, as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe we have been missing our sense of, oh, because rather than, than looking at God himself, we've been looking at his provision for us. We've been looking at, at how he gives us peace, how he provides protection, how he's generous towards us, whatever those things are. And while all of those gifts are good and all those things can, can stir up a sense of gratitude, and they ought to, Never can the gifts of God replace the giver of those gifts. Never. And yet it's really easy to be drawn into that for us to see those, right? But the Holy Spirit, I believe, is saying, look at Jesus again, and you'll rediscover wonder. Look at Christ again, and you'll rediscover awe and the majesty of him. And I believe, you guys, that there is no better time than now, this Christmas season, to rediscover the awe and the majesty and the wonder of Jesus, of God. And that's what I want to invite us to. And so I want to challenge you to find your O again. Find it again. And I don't know how you're going to do it, but I want you to fight for it until you get it back again. Because sometimes it's important to feel that sense of awe. And if you haven't felt it in a long time, it's time to rediscover it again, right? And so maybe you could, you could shut yourself up in a room. If you're a Bible person, shut yourself up in a room with your journal and say, I'm not going to leave here until I have rediscovered that sense of awe and majesty that I once had. Maybe you gather two or three friends of yours and you say, I want you to pray for me until I am overwhelmed in the presence of God, again, maybe you turn on some worship music and you worship and you worship until you are there, until you are in uh, the God's presence, until you are experiencing the wonder and the majesty of God himself. I don't know how you will do that, but I want to challenge you to not stop until you have experienced him, until you've experienced that sense of being undone, of being floored by him. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Okay. I want to invite you to find your O oh, again this Christmas. And, and God is generous in this. I, I've been walking with the Lord now. It's kind of crazy to me, but for decades. And over that span of years, I want you to know that there have been many seasons in my life where I've felt completely dry. Have you guys ever felt that way? Just dry, like you were kind of going through the motions? I've felt that. And every time I've ever come to my senses and, and thought, my goodness, I just haven't felt my love for him in a long time Every time I cry out for that, I want you to know that God has been generous to me, and it's always been within just a matter of, few, of a few days that I find myself just opened up and almost, you know, loving him to the point of tears. He wants us to experience him. So my invitation, my first invitation to you, is that you would rediscover that sense of being overwhelmed again. Fight for it. Secondly, the invitation is to come. Oh, come. Come, let us adore him. And I want to I want to invite us and challenge us that we do not do this thing alone. Come means that we might say, come with me. Come join me. Let's go see the King of kings and the Lord of lords born on this day in Bethlehem. Let's go to where he is. Let's follow the star so that we can find him. And the great thing is, is that we can go to this party with a plus one or a plus two, or a plus three, or as many as your car will fit on that day, right? You don't, here's what I want to say. You don't have to be the dad 
of the family to invite the family to come and adore Jesus. You don't have to be the person in power. You can be the son. You could be the daughter. You could be a friend or a coworker. Whatever it is that you are, God is inviting you to become the inviter. You do the inviting. You don't have to wait for the invitation anymore. You get to say, come, let's go experience the newborn king. Come with me and let's worship him together, right? And, and practically, church, the invitation might look like this. You might just call a friend or text a friend. You probably won't call. Text them. And you could say, would you just hang out with me at Starbucks? And could we read the Christmas story together? Could we read it together and just unpack it? Could we talk about it? Could I experience that with you? Would you come to church with me next Sunday? Because we are going to celebrate the birth of Christ. And I want you to experience the, the, the one who I have given my life to. I want you to experience the, the one who has changed everything for me. Would you come with me? Would you come with me? Could we turn off our screens and open up the word and pray and worship him and wonder together with him? Would you come with me? And my ask, you guys, is that we would not wait for someone else to do the inviting, but that we would take that mantle up and we would be the one inviting others to come and to experience the birth of Christ with us. Can you do that? It doesn't matter who you are. God has given you that invitation and he's asking you to pass it out. And so I'm challenging you to be the inviter yourself. Come and see the one who was born into humanity, who changed everything for me and for the whole world. Will you come? And then it goes on to say, come, let us. Everybody say, let us. Okay, good. Christmas, again, it isn't private, it's for us all. And when we sing our songs of praise, we're not soloists, right? We're choir directors leading anthems of praise. It's sort of the exact same thing of what I was saying. And, and I love that this little phrase, it says, let us. It's almost like this ask. It's, the, it's, it's us sort of asking God that I could come and do this. And I'm glad that the, that the hymn doesn't say, oh, come. You know, when it says, like, let us, right? Um, one of the things that I, I'm sort of aware of, and I don't know if you are, is has anybody recently been invited to hang out with the president of the United States recently? No. Have you guys been invited into uh, to, to England to hang out with the queen or anything like that recently? Is that a thing that you get to do? We don't get to do any of that stuff, right? But what do we get to do? We're invited into the presence of the king of kings. We're invited into the presence of the Lord of lords. We're invited into the presence of the creator of all things. And because of that, I want to say that we ought to come with awe and with wonder and with reverence and fear even, this trembling of being in the presence of God. Let us come. Our hearts ought to ache and cry out that we get to be in the presence of Christ, that we 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 can't be stopped. We are going to come and offer our gifts of praise and our gifts of honor to Jesus, and nothing is going to stop us. We come with awe, and we come with wonder, and we say, let us come. Let me be in your presence. Let me bring my gifts to you, Lord Jesus. Is that your heart, or have you lost that heart? Let us come to adore you, to adore, Right? The hymn goes, oh, come, let us adore him, rather than, oh, let us come and Facebook like Jesus. Let's poke him. Let's give him a heart-shaped emoji, right? No, we come to adore Jesus. And when you see him, when you truly see him, the king 
of kings and the Lord of lords came down off of the throne of heaven and was born into mankind. When, we, when you see Jesus walking and talking and living life on planet earth, and when you see the, the, the things that he did, when you hear the words out of his mouth, when you see him scourged before his crucifixion and hung on the cross, when you see him rise from the dead, ought it not to cause us to adore him, to be overwhelmed with him, Here's a definition of adore. To adore means to extravagantly love, to be devoted to, to marvel at. And here's my favorite part. To acknowledge and reveal the majesty and the splendor of God by one's actions. And I I just want to ask you guys, in all of your, your years of gift giving at Christmas, who has historically gotten your very best gift? Who has historically gotten the the most extravagant gift that you give every year? Maybe it's been your husband or your wife. Maybe it's been your mom or your dad, your kids. Maybe it was rascal, your dog, right? Who has gotten your very best gift? And who is slated to get your best gifts this year? Who will receive the most honor and time and attention from you this year? I think about the three uh, magi, the three wise men, the three kings, whatever it was that they were, they brought Jesus these gifts of extravagant adoration, gold and frankincense and myrrh, things of incredibly high value. The woman who broke that expensive jar of ointment and wiped Jesus' feet with it before he was to be crucified, right? She gave him a gift of adoration. She prepared him for his suffering and his death. It was a gift of splendor and majesty that honored the righteousness of Jesus. The poor woman in the temple who had given her last two pennies to Jesus, everything that she had to live on, that was a gift of extravagant adoration to God. And my question is, who will get your best gift this Christmas? And who is most deserving of it? And I want to challenge us to be like that woman who was on her face, wiping Jesus' feet in worship to him, she was not too proud to offer him a true gift of adoration. I want us to be like those three kings who traveled night and day for miles and miles and miles. Their gift to Jesus was not a gift of convenience. It cost them greatly. And if Jesus had been another thousand miles away, they would have gone there. They would not have stopped no matter how long or how far away he was. That woman that brought her two pennies That was a gift of extravagant obedience and trust in Jesus. And I want to invite you and I to offer Jesus gifts just like those because anything less, hear me on this, anything less than complete and unadulterated adoration is a gift that is not worthy of him. And I want you to bring your gift, a gift that is worthy of Jesus. I want to challenge us. And so this year, I invite us to bring those gifts of adoration. Could Jesus, we have two weeks left, could he receive your most extravagant gift this year rather than someone else? And so I want to ask you, what would it look like? What would it look like for you to bring your adoration to him over the next two weeks? What would it look like for you to seek him in earnest prayer? Will you worship him over the next two weeks with all of your heart and all of your soul, all of your mind and all of your strength? Will you will you start doing daily devotions again You'll have to craft this out. You'll have to carve this out for yourselves, but let's not let go of this. Let's not miss the opportunity that we have. This Christmas, let's give him our highest and most glorious gift. It's not too late. 
Oh, come, let us adore him. And finally, we get to him, to Jesus, right? And I want to turn your attention to the prophecies about Jesus in the book of Isaiah. And so in Isaiah chapter 7, uh, it says this. This is amazing. This is 700 years before Jesus was born. And it says, therefore, this is God speaking, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. When Molly was praying at the break, she was talking about this crazy thing that God did. And I do think it's absolutely amazing. It's stunning that 700 years before the birth of Christ, the Lord said that there will be a sign a virgin will give, will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean, church? God with us. Chapter 9, verse 6 says, for to us, I love this, for to us, a, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called. Do you guys have these verses? We're going to read these together, and he will be called, say it with me, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Good job. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteous from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And this prophecy, you may not know it, but this prophecy came at a time in Israel's history where their future was completely uncertain. They were surrounded by enemies, and they were trying to figure out, would they survive? How would they make it? Would they be okay? Would their, would their future be protected by God? And, 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 and the, when this prophecy came, it came to comfort them, to strengthen them, to let them know that God was with them. And it's for us today to let us know that God is with us and that God's enemies would be defeated. And I know that many of you guys, especially over the last couple of years, we have felt the same way. We've felt surrounded by enemies. We felt that our, our future was uncertain. We've gotten fearful about our health, our children, our finances, maybe key relationships. We felt like there was pressure on every side. And just like those ancient Israelites, we know what it's like to be anxious about life. And yet it says, this is our promise. This is the, the amazing gift of, of Christmas. It says that for to us, to you, to me, a son, a child was born. To us, a son was given. And the government, the rulership, the authority will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And I believe, you guys, that this is above all else the reason to celebrate Christmas. To us, a child has been born. And so in the midst, you guys, of the cacophony of messages and invitations and campaigns to get our time and our attention and our money and all that stuff, I want to issue this invitation. Oh, come, let us adore him above all else. And so I want to ask you, will you, over the next two weeks, will you find your, oh, I'm undone again? Will you rediscover that for yourself? Will you seek him until you find him? Will you dwell with him until you are undone and overwhelmed? This Christmas, um, I want to invite you to give Jesus your very best gift, the very best that you have. He'll get number one in your life. That is the invitation because nothing less is worthy of him. And it's my hope that you will gladly accept this invitation to come 
to adore the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our wonderful counselor, our Prince of Peace that was born to you and I. Amen? So here's something that we're going to do. Um, uh, actually, I'm going to have the worship team come up because we're going to finish with a little bit of praise uh, or whoever's left of the worship team. I don't know. But um, I want to prepare you for, for uh, next week. So next Sunday is going to be our um, uh, sort of our Christmas celebration. Why don't you guys stand up? It'll be our Christmas celebration. And one thing that we're going to do is we're going to have a little nativity scene up here. And during the middle of the service, um, you guys are going to grab a piece of paper and you're going to write down your adoration. What I'm going to invite you to do is I want you over the course of the next week to begin thinking about what it is that you adore about Christ. I want you to begin to prayerfully just experience Jesus. And then on Sunday, you can either write before Sunday or on Sunday, we're going to write Jesus something about what we love, what we adore, what we appreciate. And then we're going to have our little nativity scene up here and we'll have a basket. I'm going to invite you to bring your adoration to Christ. And we're going to worship together. And so it's going to hopefully be a really neat experience. So just begin prayerfully, um, just pondering that. But for a little while, why don't we adore him again? Can we do that? Okay, let's do it.